never thought I'd see him again. You might not have, had you chosen differently. I'm sorry. You know. You're not mad? Over the years, I've made my share of difficult choices. Often, no one understood my reasons, except my master. Anakin. He always stood by me. Even when no one else did. That's why, no matter what happens next, I'm going to be there for you. Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone. So pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt. Here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 542, Ahsoka, parts 7 and 8. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Balin Skull to my Grand Admiral Thrawn, we have Carl LeClaire. Oh, my schemes and plans are so much grander than yours, Mr. Blueface. Mm, That may be. But don't worry, I will devise ways to counteract all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Finally, to the end of our recap of the Ahsoka series, Jason. I shouldn't say finally as if I'm excited about it, but finally as in we've been doing it for a few weeks now, and I'm I'm, I'm excited to get to the finale of the Ahsoka series. Right. It's funny, though. It's it's only been a few weeks for everyone listening to the podcast, but it's been like a few months for you and I with a couple of false starts and everything going on with this. So, yes, it is a bit finally for us, only <laughs> in that we're actually here. We're actually at the end and we're finally excited to talk about the end of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, because um, uh, like you said, yeah, we started this back in December and had some false starts and. Uh, now here we are rounding it out with these final two episodes of the series once again to talk about some of our favorite scenes and moments from these final two episodes of Ahsoka. Uh, so great. So great. A fantastic show. Fantastic episodes. I'm ready to just jump into it. So um, do you want to start or shall I? Uh, let's, well, like we've been doing, let's do this chronologically. Um, so, you know, we're going to look at part seven first dreams and madness. Um, what is your first moment from that particular episode, Jason? Um, that would be, um, I I call it training with Anakin. That's mine too. I'll let you start it off. All right. Well, uh, obviously, you know, we, I enjoyed the opening sequence with Hera's uh, tribunal, if you will. But 
Uh, I love this this moment where we jump into the you know Ahsoka and Hu Yang's Jedi shuttle, and we see that she is training with a hologram of Anakin Skywalker. She's uh, focusing. She's it, you know for her as we know Ahsoka. Um, practicing with her saber is sort of a form of meditation for her. Hmm. Um, and, and this is sort of a way that she centers herself, focuses herself uh, and makes sure that she's honed and ready for the challenges ahead. Um, and the fact that she is now doing it again, like we used to see her in the clone wars with Anakin by her side, even if he is just in hologram form uh, really shows us that, the lessons that she learned and the healing that happened for her uh, in being able to accept the good of Anakin and the fact that he did return and, and the, you know, fact that he turned back to the light. Um, she's moved forward through that. And we're actually able to see her do that because I, I get the impression that she hasn't used these hologram trainings at all before this, mm. uh, because she tells Hu Yang, yeah, he made like 20 of these. Um, like it's the first time he's being told or seen any of this. So if she has, you know, opened any of these before it's been without Hu Yang around, um, which means that she likely doesn't do it. So that's my assumption is that she hasn't used any of these in a long time. And now she finally is. Uh, and it's a way to, to show that she's, you know, healing and that she is in a sense, you know, really in a sense, taking the role of Jedi on once more, um, I think. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 man, it's got to point out the fact that I just love that we get to see Hayden again in his Clone Wars outfit. Yes. And, you know, in, in, in hearing Hayden's version of Anakin say the name Asajj Ventress, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it really helps yeah. deepen that connection that this story is connected to the Clone Wars story um, so much. Uh, I think I just really appreciate it in that regard. But yeah, you know, I... I'm with you, Jason, in the sense that Ahsoka probably has not watched any of these videos um, in a very long time. Um, the fact that she still has them tells me that she obviously took them with her um, mm -hmm. when she when she leaves the temple or something. Now, whether or not she watches them regularly is up for debate. Probably probably not too much because it's probably too too hard to watch them. Right. Um, right, right. But what's really incredible is. As as she's watching this video, this video, this 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 uh, <laughs> hologram. hologram, you know, so much of it is about it, it's it's also the last one he records for her, and it's it's really Anakin mm -hmm. saying that you know I want you to pre be prepared for the scenario where we get separated, where you have to figure this out on your own, which has very mm -hmm. much been the case for her for a long time now. She's had to figure things out by herself. But at the same time, this is a hologram reminding her that Anakin did everything that he could to make her ready for that possible scenario. And I think what's so important is this is this is really the first time we see Ahsoka 
fully accepting the fact that Anakin, who she knows became Darth Vader, is more than just what he became as Darth Vader, right? I mean, so much of right. part five, the, the World Between Worlds episode with her and Anakin, is about her learning to move past this, this hang-up she has that she could possibly become Anakin or that training somebody could also make them become another Darth Vader. Um, so this... This is kind of this acceptance of Ahsoka's that Anakin did, in fact, prepare her well. And when Hu Yang comes in and she closes, I, I love the way Rosario plays this particular part where she closes her eyes and kind of settles into herself and just says, he was a good master. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. this it's this kind of statement of in spite of the fact of everything that he became, he was good to me. Um, yeah. And I love Hu Yang's response. Of, you know, like he he made tw- uh, you know twenty of these videos for me. Wow, I never like how thoughtful, right? It's almost like Hu Yang is also kind of surprised by the fact that Anakin had such intimate care of Ahsoka, that he had so much that he wanted mm-hmm. to leave for her. Um, so it's this really beautiful moment of healing for Ahsoka. I would say it it really is, and. Um... I love it. This also, it's very, the, the, the words that Anakin is saying um, in this remind me a lot of the, uh, the training that he was giving her in the tales of the Jedi Mm. um, short where he's training Ahsoka. Um, So I, I, I thought some of it seemed really familiar. So I meant to go and, and, watch that just to see how they overlapped uh but i didn't have time to do so so if anybody knows let us know um (laughs) but i really do love it and also i love how at the end of it uh as as he's wrapping up the the instruction and she is finishing her forms uh she gives him a, a little bow um even though he's you know even though he's not there she she does the the honorable you know the the jedi bow uh, and he responds with it, you know, to sort of wrap out the, the teaching uh, hologram. And I love it because, you know, not only is she listening to him again, but she's sort of interacting with the lessons, with what he taught her and with the good that he gave her. Um, and it's 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 not just an intellectual like, oh, yes, I understand this now. It's a no, this is good and I should still use this. Um, and. And I think that's part of what's going to help carry her through to the end of the season. So, um, but yeah, I I love it. I love all of this. Yeah, it's really good. Um, uh, So I have another moment a little bit later into the episode where Ahsoka and Sabine share a force connection. Do you have anything prior to that? I don't think so. I think the next one I have, (coughs) excuse me, is uh, Balin and Shin parting. So, okay, I have that one as well. But yeah, (laughs) this is before that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, it's this great moment where Ahsoka is trying to find Sabine. Obviously, she has no technological ways of communication. So she reaches out with the force. Uh, And, you know, this is something that charts all the way back to Empire Strikes Back. The first time we really saw a, a connection like this, which is Luke reaching out to Leia while he's mm-hmm. hanging under Cloud City. And this is Sabine 
or excuse me, this is Ahsoka using the force to connect with Sabine. And I love that Hu Yang's question is, do you think your bond is that strong? And Ahsoka doesn't respond. She just settles into the force. And while yeah. I was watching the scene again, it's it's also it's brilliantly done with the sound effects. So as Ahsoka kind of takes a deep breath, she leans back into the chair and closes her eyes. And as she leans back into the chair, the sound just goes quiet and you hear a soft thud as she kind of lands back into the seat. And to me, it's this beautiful moment of her just kind of falling completely into the force itself and finding through the force, her connection to Sabine and then Sabine feels it as well. It's, it's just this really beautiful moment that shows that while Sabine may not be a more, a most, uh, an incredibly naturally um, powerful force user, there has been this profound connection between Ahsoka and Sabine that allows them to find one another here in the force. And it's through that, that Ahsoka is able to kind of basically say like, yep, I know where she is. I can see her. I'm ready to go. And it's funny because then on Sabine's end is she's not quite sure what it is. And I love it because we hear Ezra asking her questions, but again, the, the sound effects of that particular moment is kind of drowned out. Like we're kind of getting this from Sabine's point of view is, all she's kind of hearing is, is Ahsoka's voice. And then when she finally comes to, she says to Ezra, I don't know, it's a feeling, something familiar. And, you know, that, that reminds yeah. me of that line with Finn when Finn is talking to Janna in, in Rise of Skywalker. When he's like, you know, we, you know, it's a feeling like that's how he talks about his connection to the force. So it's it's kind of a reminder with the language of Star Wars that this feeling that Ahso- that Sabine has is certainly something uh, uh, elicited by the force. And when she relates that to Ezra, she just simply says it's something familiar. Um, so while she probably doesn't know the details of it, right? Like, so for Ahsoka, she's like, okay, I know where Sabine is. Let's go to her. All Sabine really knows is, all right, it's something familiar. I have a good feeling about this kind of a thing. Right. Exactly. And, And of course, you know, at this point, Sabine doesn't realize that Ahsoka is still alive. Right. You know, she she still thinks Ahsoka died uh, at the end of Balin and at the end of Balin's duel with her. Um, you know, so so she doesn't even think to expect that this is coming from Ahsoka, uh, which is probably why it feels familiar. But she can't really put, a, you know, her finger on what that familiarity is. But. I do love that. You know, I have a good feeling about this um, because it really kind of is for her. And, and it's, it's a great moment, uh, you know, in that regard. But like you said, it, it it's, I think it's a more important moment for me um, for Ahsoka, because it means not only do, do they actually have a strong enough connection for this to work, but it means that Ahsoka has opened herself up to that connection um again mm. uh, because it you know obviously she's been very closed off towards sabine um it, you know throughout the the series so far so she's because of their their past and how everything went down um and and so the fact that she's not only tapping into the connection but she is embracing the connection is just spectacular yeah for sure 
Um, and it sounds like we both share this f- kind of final moment between uh, Shin and Balin as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and, and jump in on this one first. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it kind of caught me by surprise that, wow, this is it. They're, they're saying they're, this is kind of a farewell. I mean, I think it ca- catches Shin by surprise as well. Um, and I think what I really enjoy about this moment is Balin kind of coming to this realization that they're on different paths at this point now. Um, and it's, it's kind of evocative of that moment in a new hope when, when Obi-Wan says to Luke, you know, your path lies along a different, you know, whatever you lie along a different path than mine. Um, and it's, it's this kind of realization that, you have to you have to part ways now. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think Balin recognizes that for Shin. Um, and this has been kind of building between them in their conversations prior to this, that, you know, for Shin, she's really after like a sense of kind of imperial power in a way. And mm-hmm. so Balin's kind of parting to her is, is like, you know, go kill, you know, go destroy Sabine and Ezra and then take your place in Thrawn's new empire. He understands that what she wants, where she's drawn to is something different than him. And, and what I appreciated about it is that Balin respects it, respects that their time together has kind of come to an end. So he essentially wishes her well. And I think he also has a profound confidence in her. Like, you know, with that command of like, go defeat these two and then take your place. Like for, for Balin, yes, Shin, you are more than capable. You know, it's Sidious saying to Maul and Phantom Menace, you know, there'll be no match for you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. You know, it's in, and I think what's important about that again is, is that Balin really believes that Shin is capable. And he also understands that her ambition is different than his own. And he's he needs to be faithful to what he feels called to. So this is kind of this natural point of separation then. And he has he has his task. He respects that she has a different one and he wishes her well on that. And his parting lesson, I think, is so Qui-Gon-like because it's very similar to like your focus determines your reality. And it's this parting lesson of impatience for victory will guarantee defeat he understands that shin has an impatience to her that she wants to rush into things and he's simply trying to say to her cool your jets give it the time it needs you know your impatience will guarantee your defeat um so i think that's kind of this this parting lesson that he imparts on her is one that he's hoping will also preserve her for the long run yeah no it, it it's a great scene and uh I think it's it definitely catches Shin by surprise. Um, Balin, not so much. He's seen this this rift in their paths growing for a while now, I think. Um, And it's only become wider with the arrival here on Peridia. You Mm. know, the the call that he is feeling, uh, the draw that is, you know, taking him on his own path is, is so strong that he is going to drop everything to pursue it. Uh, and that includes Shin. Um, and, and he says that her ambition, uh, you know, her, her ambitions 
drive her in one direction and he has a different path. The the thing that he doesn't say there is I think he has ambitions too. Um, he doesn't necessarily say that, uh, but I, I think his ambitions are just as grand, if not grander uh, than Shin's. His are more focused for sure. And her ambitions are uh, his ambitions. Let me, let me, let me, clarify that his ambitions are more focused and long-term and hers are more immediate and uh, instant gratification mm. type of, of, yeah. of ambitions. Um, and he knows those are not compatible. And so he's also, while he is also giving her a parting lesson to ensure that she has the most success on her path, he is also cutting off anything that might be detrimental to the success of his own path and his ambitions. So it's, it's a two edged sword as it is with a lot of these things. You know, he's, he's definitely, you know, giving her his best parting advice, best wishes in a sense, but also she could be something uh, if she doesn't learn and doesn't change that, jeopardizes the success of what he is after as well. And so he needs to make sure that he is in as much control of what he's pursuing as possible. Mm. That's sort of the way I'm reading all of this. Um, And, and it, it definitely gives me a lot of excitement and curiosity as to what his ultimate plans are that we would hopefully that we will see hopefully in a season two of Ahsoka. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was one, one glaring thing for a lot of folks that was like, Oh my gosh, could we just get more specificity around what Balin's after? Um, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this before we, before we wrap this episode, Jason, a little bit about, mm-hmm. we get some clarity as to what Balin's yes. after in the finale. Yes. Um, yeah. I have one last thing I want to talk about from from part seven. Uh, as do I. That would be Balin's confrontation, you know, Balin and Ahsoka 2.0. Um, OK, uh, I'll let you go with that then, because mine mine sort of coincides with it. But I, you go first. OK, um, obviously, we get another confrontation between Ahsoka and, and Balin uh, here as she is trying to make her way to help. Sabine and Ezra with the the troopers and with Shin and the bandits and all that fun stuff. Um, the the thing I like about this is that it it shows us how much Ahsoka has grown and how much she has thrown herself into the, her trust of the Force in all of this. Um, and it, not only are they more, they more evenly matched, just on a uh, you know a, a skills level uh, than they were earlier on in the season. The thing that I think underscores all of this is at the end of it is he tells her, you cannot defeat me. And she says, I don't really, I don't ne- necessarily need to. And she, you know, times it all so that, you know, Hu Yang swoops over the duel and drops the counter charge, countermeasures or whatever all over them, which gives her the opportunity to slip through escape uh, so that she can, focus on what her real mission is and not be distracted by this duel. 
which is something young Padawan Ahsoka would have never done. Mm. Uh, you know, she, you know, young Padawan Ahsoka would have insisted on making sure the duel is finished so that nothing, you know, and instead of relying on the force and pursuing the, the greater objective uh, in that moment, as Padawan Ahsoka would have tried to do all of it. Mm. And Ahsoka is like, no, there's, there's something specific I need to do. Winning isn't the goal here. So I just need to go. Mm. Um, and I think that that's part of why I really love this duel is it? it's not so much again. Yes. I like the choreography. There's some great images, you know, uh, from this, this combat, but I think the the bigger reason I like this is because we're seeing a, a new level of maturity from Ahsoka in terms of how she approaches confrontations like this. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll, I just want to piggyback quick off of, yeah, the duel looks awesome. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I, I, so much of the, the dual choreography with, with both of the Balin and Ahsoka duels, it's, it's very reminiscent of the prequel era, which obviously is intentional. I mean, these are two former Jedi of the prequel era. So of course they have that yes. style of, of, of combat. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, there's, it does, it shows a marked maturity in who Ahsoka is that this fight is not the most important thing. The most important thing is getting to Sabine and Ezra and right. that trumps everything. And, and when, you know, I love, oh gosh, I love Balin's motif, the musically that's used throughout the fight. Um, but when, when Balin kind of catches her fist with her lightsaber, which is very Bane in the dark Knight rises when he catches Batman's fist, <laughs> um, and he's like, you, you know, you can't win. Uh, maybe, but I don't have to. Pardon me. You know, we're just going to put this at you real quick, Jason. Do you think Ahsoka can beat Balin in a fight? Maybe. It would be close. Um, and I think she could. But if you ran the fight, you know, 10 times, Balin would probably come out six or seven out of those 10. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the same. I think uh, I and I think they they're both fighting for different things here in this moment. I think for Balin, yeah. if this fight continues, I think he does actually defeat her because he really does feel drawn to this deep, deep purpose that I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a few moments. But yeah, what's driving him is something that's past Ahsoka. And if Ahsoka's not going to get out of the way, then he will defeat her. And I think that yes. he's capable of doing that. And I think in this moment, though, like, you, like we've just been talking about for Ahsoka, it's not about beating him. It's not about slaying Balin. It's about mm -hmm. saving her friends. So for her, it's just getting out of the fight. So, you know, for her, it's almost like, fine, Balin, go do your thing. I've got something else to do anyway. Um, yeah, it, that's that's the, the thing about this duel is his investment in this duel is not as significant as it was the last time they met. Right. Um, because he's doing this uh, as, as a way to slow Ahsoka down to prevent her from getting to what her goal is while his real pursuit lies elsewhere. Now, if she gets, like you said, if she gets in, in the way of that pursuit, then he's in much more invested. And I, I think, 
definitely I would agree with his statement that you can't beat me um, in that moment. So, but in this particular duel, he's, he's a delaying tactic, Mm -hmm. which, which is not his ultimate goal. It is not what he's ultimately in pursuit of at this point. So his investment in this duel is less, which I think is uh, another reason why, why Ahsoka is, I, I hesitate to say victorious, but she achieves her, she accomplishes her goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of me also thinks that Balin's also very okay with the fact that she just takes off. Um, yes. You know, when, when, when the, before the fight even starts, when she kind of jumps onto the ground and, and walks up on him, he's like, this is a surprise. She's and she, I'm trying to remember what her line is. Um, disappointed. No. Like, again, like, and this is something that, you know, even when he's talking to Morgan in, in previous episodes, you know, it'd be a shame for me to have to kill her. There's so few Jedi left. You know, I think mm-hmm. Balin does have a profound respect for Ahsoka and he doesn't he doesn't want to destroy her. He really doesn't. He really respects that she's a surviving Jedi. Um mm-hmm. So, so I even love that quick early exchange, like Ahsoka just kind of being like, "Oh, I bet you didn't want me here," and he's you surprised to see me, and he's like, "No, not actually." Like I'm, it's almost as if he's glad that she survived. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but also, and also though, like, great, I'm glad you're alive, but get it the hell out of my way, <laughs> or else I'm gonna have to go through you. <laughs> yes, it, it, the the lines are. I've, I've got it playing right now. Is you know, I, I'm surprised. I did not expect to see you again. Disappointed? No. However, I cannot allow you to interfere. Right. You know, yep. that that's that's the, the crux of the interchange right there. So, uh, yeah, that's I love it. But yeah. you had one more moment from this episode. What do you want to? Talk yeah. About? Yeah. It, it's essentially uh, uh, Sabine and Ezra versus everybody and Shin. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yes. it, it's so good. To be, I I've, I I was messaging you last night, Jason, because I had I had finished these episodes. I decided to rewatch them again tonight. Um, but after I finished them last night, I was like, you know what? I've just got a hankering for some rebels. So I just started randomly with season four of rebels and, and watching, I only, I've watched a couple of, I watched, I think two episodes last night and a couple episodes this morning and the camaraderie between Ezra and Sabine is so perfectly translated here in the Ahsoka series. Um, I think, Natasha Lowe Bordazzo, I don't know, I probably butchered her name, and I can't even remember the guy's name who plays Ezra, Ifan something. Uh, um, it's uh, Natasha Lou Bordizo is Sabine, Sabine and uh, Emin, Emin Esfandi is Ezra. Thank you. Yeah, but the two of them just perfectly play their parts so well, and and I yeah. love this. Is is uh, I mean, it's also great, like the Nodi kind of circling up like that. This is such stereotypical Western, like American Western storytelling, right? The the cabins and the yeah. wagons circling up to 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 repel the enemy. Uh, we've seen this several times in Clone Wars episodes. Um, Give me all the Nodi. I love them so much. <laughs> and I'm going to be really pissed if we don't start getting some Nodi merchandise in the near future. Um, oh, but I know, right? <laughs> as, as they kind of circle up and get ready for this fight. And Sabine tries to give Ezra his lightsaber, you know, like, no, 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 it's yours. I gave it to you. The force is my ally. That's all I need. I love that line. I love this fight for Ezra because Ezra doesn't need anything 
beyond the force. And who did he learn that from? Oh, I don't know. Kanan. Um, now, granted, yes, Kanan <laughs> continues to use a lightsaber. And here's something that's really funny for all the for all the Star Wars fans that like to complain about particular characters being OP'd. Nobody I've never heard anybody complain about the fact that Kanan goes blind, but it never seems to impact the fact that he's able to run around just fine. <laughs> Again, like it's it's all for story points and I get it. But but what I what I mean by that is, is Ezra watched Kanan transcend something very, very horrific to his body mm-hmm. and yes. and and he learned to, and he was able to do that because of his reliance and and dependency upon the force and we see Ezra do that and even a more I would argue an even more profound way um I love watching Ezra like just force push stormtroopers around um and 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 use kind of just hand-to-hand combat it's so much fun and um, and then the way that they team up to fight Shin is great. Like when when he goes toe to toe with Shin and she's got a lightsaber and he has literally no weapons and he's just using the force. I mean, granted, now we've seen this force ability first introduced in Rise of Skywalker, right, where Ray and Kylo are able to use the force to repel their lightsaber swings. I love getting to watch Ezra do that with Shin. And it's this reminder that, like, obviously, Ezra has been kind of lost in space for the last 15 odd years and yet has clearly continued building his relationship with the force and i really love this and that's why i really 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 dislike the fact that he immediately builds a lightsaber in the the opening scene of the finale like it's cool that he gets a lightsaber like kanan but it is so stupid to undo this profound growth that we saw in his character. Like that is the dumbest thing Dave Filoni did in Ahsoka, in my opinion. That was so <laughs> effing stupid. And it really annoys me. Um, but that said, this part is so beautiful because it really shows that Ezra has also in, has also become the type of Jedi that Jedi are supposed to be. That they use the force for knowledge and defense. That they are not just using weapons. Um, I mean... At the beginning of the finale, even Ahsoka says, like, a Jedi is more than his lightsaber. I don't know. Maybe Dave Filoni should have read that line and thought about that before having Ezra immediately build one. Come on, Dave. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, yeah, I, I just I love this whole little action sequence. It's super fun. And and at one point, you know, then when Ahsoka shows up to kind of help repel the stormtroopers, we cut back to Thrawn and Thrawn says, you know, something along the effects of like magnificent. It's almost as if watching the Jedi of old, right? It's this, yeah. it's this reminder that this, this particular group of Jedi have survived and they're doing something profound together again. Uh, so I, I love kind of this closing fight with them. Yeah, no, it, it's fantastic. Um, I have less of a problem with him going and building a lightsaber afterwards. Um, it's the because- dumbest thing ever, but okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it is but i do so appreciate- stupid <laughs> no i i'm i'm gonna disagree with you on that um but i do understand where you're coming from because it is great to, to have him say i don't need it i just yeah. have the force yep. which is true um and he still does have the force even with a lightsaber so sure. let's uh let's not forget that but here in this moment that's not the point right the point is all he has is the force. And then he grabs a stormtrooper blaster because he's still Ezra who yeah. likes to take stormtrooper <laughs> stuff. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I love all of, of this, the, the whole back and forth, you know, the, this battle here in, in uh, episode seven 
part seven is is fantastic because you know mm. we get the duel between ahsoka and balin and then all of the chaos that's happening around the nodi wagons uh and it's it's perfectly balanced and the like you said the camaraderie and the the chemistry between ezra and sabine is top notch it's it's as good or better than rebels in mm. my opinion yeah so yeah um yeah i i thoroughly enjoy all of it um and it's really great to have them all back together in a situation that they feel comfortable in uh like this you know that they're all very used to being in combat together mm -hmm. and the fact that they're able to just seamlessly slot back into that trust and that reliance on each other's skills and abilities after so many years apart is really nice to see. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, so that brings us into the finale, which is a episode title that I know you sure love Jason. Uh, it's my favorite episode title, <laughs> probably in any star Wars thing ever. Um, and it is the Jedi, the witch and the warlord. Uh, this, this just has all of my nostalgic childhood wrapped in it. So thank you very much, Dave Filoni for titling it that or whoever titled it that. Um, and it is apt and descriptive to what's in the episode as well. So that's even better. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What's the first thing you have in this episode in the finale? Uh, my first thing is is kind of Ahsoka and Sabine's conversation on top of the T six sh uh, shuttle. I'll go first. Um, <laughs> okay. My uh, my first moment uh, is one of the first things we get in the episode, mm. and and this is Morgan Elsbeth. I knew you'd get this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how much you enjoy Morgan, so I I would have been I, shocked had you not mentioned this. She is one of my favorite villains that have been introduced in this uh, this era of, of Disney Star Wars. Um, I, I really enjoyed her in The Mandalorian. So having her back here in Ahsoka was fantastic. And I enjoyed the fact that we sort of kept getting hints at, at you know, her connections to the Night Sisters and everything. And so when we finally get the ceremony where she is becomes a Night Sister, she, she's given full access to the magics and she's inducted into the sisterhood and given the gift of this, what do they call this sort of shadows, the blade of Talzin mm -hmm. or whatever It's just well, the gift of shadows, excuse me. Yes. The gift of shadows. Uh, and it's the sword of Talzin, um, which is the sword that we saw mother Talzin wield against Mace Windu in the clone wars uh, in that Mace Windu and Jar Jar team up buddy comedy that we got um, in, what was it, season six, I think, of Clone Wars, The Lost Missions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, just all of that is fantastic and spectacular. And the fact that Grand Admiral Thrawn is just sitting there studying and watching all of it in the background the entire time is also a nice touch, too. You know, he's nothing is going unseen and unknown by him in all of this. Uh, so not only does, is Morgan Elsbeth being able to really kind of ascend in a way to, you know, 
who she, you know, the highest that she could be at this point. Um, but we also get Grand Admiral Thrawn doing what he does best, and that is obtaining information um, so that he has the fullest picture to make the best decisions. Mm. So, um, but yeah, so that's just sort of the, the icing on the cake. But I, I just love the fact that we're getting the Night Sisters in all of their glory uh, in live action. And the fact that they, they have the great mothers essentially be on the level of Mother Towson. Uh, you know, she probably would have been considered one of the great mothers if she had been with this group, um, except she was obviously on Dathomir instead. So the all of this together is just really fantastic. And the effect that they put on the sword of Towson, the, the way that the green fire flows off of it, um, is is really nicely done uh, here in live action. So I I love this moment just because it's it's just really cool, uh, and and honestly, uh, that's kind of my reaction to a lot of the things in the finale episode. Is it's just really cool, um, <laughs> and sometimes that's okay. That's all you need in Star Wars. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it I. It just thrilled me. And the fact that we got all of this and we got sort of the ritual that I titled this in my notes, allegiance to the magics, because, Mm. uh, you know, that's, you know, it's what Morgan has been working towards. um, And she's being recognized for it by those that she respects most. So, yeah, I, I love this scene. Yeah. Um, it it was great to finally get to see like full on that green fiery magic of the Dathmerian Night Sisters. Yeah, um, I mean we we got a hint of it when you know Morgan first uses the the, the star map over on Peridia, not Peridia, um, whatever planet that was with the oh, with the Cetos. red tree, Cetos, Thank you. Uh, but it's great to get it in its full glory here. And um, what I found actually when I was rewatching this episode the other last night, what really struck me though in this episode is the questions they asked Morgan before kind of, you know, physically altering her is, is do you know, do you give yourself freely? Do you, you know, this, that, and the other thing Um, it's very covenant language. It's very much also an offer to enter into this willingly, right? There's no coercion in it. There's no manipulation. This is a fully free decision that Morgan makes to be part of the Night Sisters. So I really appreciate mm-hmm. it for that. There's actually the, in the, the Revenge of the Sith novel by Matthew Stover, which, oh my God, Jason, I'm so glad I finally had a point to, to drop something from that um, once again. <laughs> but when in the scene when... It's when, been too long, Carl. It's been, it's too, been long. too long. You are right, my friend. <laughs> Um, but in the scene when Anakin pledges his allegiance to Sidious and the Sith, Sidious asks very similar questions in the sense of like, do you give yourself freely to the order of the Sith? And it's 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 again very covenant language. It's very much about accepting and entering into a new part of life. And and, you know, a big part of it as well is do you do you step away from your former life? I, again, I don't, I don't remember the lines, the lines verbatim here, um, but that's mm-hmm. essentially what's going on for Morgan here is, is this kind of this willing departure from the life she knew before to become a night sister. And uh, it's yeah. pretty awesome to watch that. Yeah. Your, your allegiance to the empire is gone. You're now uh, allied to 
the Night Sisters, which I would argue was one always us. her primary objective. Is we're gonna especially I, once she started having these dreams. Exactly. So, yeah, um, yes. and I think the last time we saw the Blade of Talzin is when she fights Mace Windu with it in the Clone Wars. Yeah, which is in the yeah. final season of Clone Wars when when Mace buddies up with our pale Jar Jar. <laughs> yep, I love it. Yeah, it's it's the best. Uh, God. Some of Jar Jar's best work in the Clone Wars is those episodes. I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, I, I love that so much. And and the fact that we... Oh, the blade is beautiful. And that's the one oh, thing yeah. I, I that bothers me so much about all of the, the Morgan Elspeth figures out there. None of them have the blade. Obviously, because they, they, they made these figures to come out for the end of the show was released. Um but none of them have the blade. And I and I refuse to buy Morgan Elspeth from Ahsoka without the Blade of Talzin. So I need them to re-release <laughs> yeah. them with that accessory. Will not be buying it until they do that. You know, I want I've, I want the uh I want an Ezra figure of him in the gear that like the outfit that he's wearing in the end of this. You know, obviously we got a Ahsoka Ezra figure of his hologram uh mm-hmm. get up, which which is obviously out of Rebels is fine but i want i want bearded red cloaked yes. moses ezra that's the figure yes. i want <laughs> absolutely that and ahsoka the white i, I oh, like her yeah. initial i bet we I get like... that ahsoka's so popular i would be i'd be yeah. shocked if we didn't at some point get ahsoka the white right i i i like her first outfit i love her white outfit yeah it's so, really good uh, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm holding out on some of these figures until I get the ones I want. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I will definitely buy Moses the Ezra figure any day. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Uh, but 100%. hologram Ezra, not interested. <laughs> right. We, huh. We've. We could just use the the rebels one, and it works. Yeah, just no, as well. exactly. It's uh, the same thing. I mean, I have I have an I have a black series Ahsoka from Rebels and from Clone Wars. Like I'm all set. I don't need to buy another one. They're they're similar enough. That's my new sorry side tangent. That my new rule about buying black series figures is if you have an iteration of that character and you don't need their new iteration, be content with the one you have. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. So and until we get Moses Ezra, I'm not buying another Ezra. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, oh, man. So but what's your your next yeah. moment? Yeah. So mine is is this kind of this moment of Sabine and Ahsoka um, kind of talking about their future together. And, um, you know, they're really discussing ultimately that uh, Sabine made a huge gamble coming here. And Ahsoka is essentially saying to her, like, you must be relieved that you were or like, you're right. You must be happy that your gamble paid off and, and, and Sabine's response is relieved really. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's this moment of connection where Ahsoka shares with Sabine, you know, that one of the most important things from her experience was the fact that her master always stood by her side, especially when no one else did. Right. And when she says that line, I immediately am thinking of, you know, when Ahsoka is falsely accused in her final arc there in season five of Clone Wars and Anakin is so adamantly standing by her side, you know, it's so beautiful. And that's immediately what I thought of when, when, when Ahsoka says that, but again, it's to me, it's, it's a even further iteration of what we kind of talked about here a moment ago with her training with, you know, Anakin's uh, hollow images to her. But this is this acceptance of like, yes, 
even again, once again, even though Anakin became Darth Vader before any of that happened, though, Anakin was a really good master to her. Like he stood by her no matter what. Like he really, really believed in her. He never left her on her own. And I love that for Ahsoka now, she's saying she turns to Samin and says, just like I'm going to stand by you moving forward. Right. Like I. I pledge allegiance to Sabine, <laughs> to the United <laughs> States of Mandalore, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's this, it's this opportunity for Ahsoka to now pass on what she's learned. And I think, you know, we learned just in that previous scene, we finally kind of get again, without much detail, but we get who Yang sharing with Ezra, the reason Sabine and Ahsoka kind of broke up was because Ahsoka was becoming wary of where Sabine was going to go with her Jedi training. Um, and again, Absolutely. that's Ahsoka holding on to the trauma of what obviously happened to her former master. Yeah. But exactly. now that she's had this kind of healing encounter with Anakin, she's able to, to, to let that go. And, and her point of connection f- with Sabine in this moment too, is, is, is this acknowledgement of just, you know, I understand that the decision you made was a hard one. I've made a lot of hard decisions myself. When she says that, of course, the first thing I think of is leaving the Jedi Order, um, yep. right? And and it's this point of connection where Ahsoka's not, of course, she's not mad because she understands that making hard decisions is something that sometimes people have to do. Um, and and I think ultimately why I appreciate the scene so much too is again is what it has to say about Ahsoka's relationship to Anakin. Um, you know, we you kind of insinuated this last week when we were talking, Jason, that, you know, we, we were kind of discussing, does Luke tell Ahsoka that, you know, Vader came back, that Anakin was redeemed? Um, and it again, even though we haven't gotten the story and my God, I wish we would. Um, <laughs> but that said, that that brief encounter they have together in Book of Boba Fett, it would seem to imply that. Ahsoka is at least aware of the fact that Luke redeemed Anakin. But you made this great point, Jason, of like being told something is different than experiencing it. And that is so true. And I think what Ahsoka experiences in part five when she's in the world between worlds with Anakin is she finally gets to encounter this kind of redeemed Anakin. She gets to experience what Luke probably told her about. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what even in this moment here with Sabine is part of her acceptance and moving on is the fact that she's had this profound encounter with Anakin and understands that it's okay to train Sabine and that not everybody is going to become Darth Vader. Um, so right. that's what I really enjoy about this particular moment. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's, it, it's a reconciliation um, of, of their relationship. Finally, you know, they, they've been sort of building it back up, but it's like, all right, here's where we stand. Here's where we will be moving forward. Let's do this together. Um, and and it's a really wonderful scene. Uh, and and I love watching the scene because not only um, is it good to you know to really finally hear all of Ahsoka's worries and concerns and trepidations be let go in all of this, but it's also great to just watch. Sabine sort of like feel that that happiness and that confidence just sort of start buoying back up in her again as Ahsoka is speaking all these these encouraging things into her and saying that I'll be there for you 
and you can almost physically watch Sabine just like start standing straighter and, you know, smiling bigger and all of this after that. Uh, and, and it, you, know, you can see the weight that she's been carrying start to lift off her in this scene. Um, and, and, and I love that uh, as well. So. Yeah. Um, what is your, what is your next uh, thing you want moment you want to talk about from this episode? The night sister versus Jedi. Okay. So. I have something prior to that. Go ahead. I figured um, you would. Yeah. And it's a, it's a moment with Thrawn and Morgan and it's shortly before uh, he departs. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really enjoy this scene because Thrawn is learning that there are a certain amount of his troops that are willing to stay behind. Um, he is essentially asking Morgan Elsbeth to stay behind to delay Ahsoka and com- and companions long enough for him to fully get away without them following. Um, so he's essentially assigned her a suicide mission and yes. she has accepted that. But what I found really interesting is when, you know, there's, there are a bunch of stormtroopers assembled and Thrawn asks, do they know what they've been asked for essentially? Like, have they consented to the fact that they are on a suicide mission and Morgan confirms that they do. And I think that's, and, and she says to Thrawn, yes, they're happy to do this for you. So again, really indicating to us how loyal his troops are to him. Um, right. And, and we got this from Fanatically this. Fanatically so. Right. And we got that from his very introduction as he's kind of walking through the troops and they're chanting Thrawn, Thrawn, you know. Yeah. Um, and But I think this is something consistent with who Thrawn has been from both the Legends canon till now is that Thrawn actually does genuinely care about his soldiers, um, which gives them, gives the soldiers then a profound respect for Thrawn. I think they really yeah. understand that he cares about them and their well-being and their missions, that they're willing to do something like this, lay down their life for him. Um, and it's it's just this great little moment of reminding us just how loyal his troops are to him and why they're so important to him. And Thrawn's parting words, of course, to Morgan is, is you know, for the Empire and 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 for the security of our galaxy. What that made me think of is uh, my favorite appearance of Thrawn is the, the Ascendancy trilogy by Timothy Zahn, which was, you know, came out a few years back. Um, and so much of that is Thrawn, you know, that, that trilogy ends with, sorry, heads up, s- slight spoilers for the Ascendancy trilogy. So if you don't want to know anything about these books, fast forward another like 30 seconds. <laughs> um, you've been <laughs> warned. But those those books end by Thrawn going off to to find the Empire, to align himself with them so that he can better secure the Chiss ascendancy against the, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the alien race that they're most worried about. Um, oh, I, I'm, there's a couple that are mixing right. it up in my brain and I can't remember. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, but, there's, there's but, a big one. Exactly. But that, that particular line here in the Sissoka episode kind of just makes me think of that iteration of Thrawn that once again, who Thrawn is, is somebody who really cares about the safety of his galaxy by this unknown foreign threat. Um, and that's what he's kind of reminding Morgan is, is this is what he's, this is what his deepest purpose is, is he wants to protect the galaxy from this unknown entity, if you will. Um, but as he walks off, you know, Thrawn is for the empire, but then Morgan whispers for Dathmir. 
You know, so yeah. again, for for Morgan Elsbeth, she doesn't really care about the Empire. She cares about her night sisters, and and, and I love yeah. that. That's kind of how this this brief moment ends. Yeah, no, no, it's it's spectacular. The you know all of this is is great, and it, this almost was on my list, but I I changed it up at the last minute. Um, but yeah, the, the the suicide mission, the for not only the troops but also her that she's been sent on, and just the the loyalties that we see here at play. It's conflicting loyalties that are temporarily aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, and once certain th- requirements are met, then they'll split, obviously, you know, it, and Thrawn has to be aware of that. Um, you know, he's, it, he, it's built into his calculations. Um, so it, it's really great to, to just sort of watch how they all feel like they're trying to use each other because that's what villains do uh, in these kinds of stories is like that they ally for mutual benefit um, until, you know, whatever the circumstances are, don't suit them anymore. Uh, But in this case, not, you know, her staying behind suits both of their purposes because it gets thrown away, but it also gets all of the, the night sisters and their cargo away and back into our galaxy to return to Dathomir. Um, and that's really what uh, Morgan has, has allied herself with mm. at this point. So yeah. 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 It's spectacular. It is. Now I know you it, have something you want to say about a night sister fighting a Jedi. I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, it's just the coolest it, it it's between this and Ahsoka and Balin's first duel for my favorite duel in all of the, in the whole series. Um, I, I just love the, you know, the duel here between Morgan Elsbeth and Ahsoka Tano. I, I think it's really well done, very well or uh, choreographed and to watch the two of them go back and forth in such an evenly matched uh, way it's really, really cool. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I went on a, uh, you know, a Chinese martial arts uh, action movie phase uh, several years ago, where I watched a ton of of Chinese action movies, um, where they had all these different, you know, duels with swords and other bladed weapons and things like that. I, I find it fascinating to just watch. Um, and so to get some of that in uh, Morgan Elsbeth's uh, fighting style was really cool, you know. And and of course, Ahsoka has more of a samurai style to her as well uh, than say someone like Anakin or Balin. Um, and so it, it fits nicely, but you know, it, it's whereas Ahsoka's sort of more samurai, Morgan is more like Wushu mm. master. Um, and so it was just really cool to watch all of that. I, I, I just loved it. It was pure eye candy for me, uh, to watch the duel and, uh, have these two forces of nature at, at this point pitted evenly, uh, against each other as 
Ahsoka is trying to press forward to stop Thrawn and Morgan is doing everything that she can to stop her. Uh, I just think it's a spectacular duel. And it's, like I said, it's really close between this and Ahsoka's duel with Balin for my favorite duel in the entire series. So I had to make sure I talked about it here. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, well, and if I remember right, the actor that plays Morgan, um, I think she is the grandchild of Bruce Lee or she's I know she's related to Bruce Lee. Um, oh, I'm going to have to look yeah, that up. Feel free to look it up, but I, I'm almost positive about that. So and I know she grew up practicing all forms of like Chinese martial arts, as you indicated. Um, but yeah, it, mm-hmm. it is a great it is such a great duel. Um, it's so well choreographed and, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't really have much more to say, but it is fun as hell to watch. <laughs> so, um, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, Diana Lee in this, uh, Diana Lee in a Santo, I think is. Yeah. yeah. In a Santo, Diana Lee in Santo is her name. Okay. In case anyone was asking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a great fight. Uh, now, I my f- my final couple little things here are from the very end of the episode, towards the very end of the episode. So I don't know if you have anything prior to the ending. Oh, yeah. No, it's it, it basically the end. Okay. So the first thing I want to mention is just kind of the finale for kind of our villain characters. So Shin, uh, Balin, and Thrawn. And, you know, kind of getting them in sequence. We get Shin riding her little space horse to the the, the Marauder Village and... The way Ivana Sakano just portrays Shin's emotion in that scene is quite beautiful. She looks so sad and, and lost in a way, but finds a sense of determination of like, all right, well, I'm going to take control of these bandits. I'm going to be their warrior, their warrior leader, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But the emotion on her face is one of she's lost, right? Like she she lost her last fight. It's yeah. She, it, Balin has moved on. This is a character who is very much going to be trying to find her place moving forward. And, you know, I I love that Ahsoka offers her, you know, give us your weapon. I can help you. Honestly, Jason, I would love in season two to watch Shin be redeemed. Um, I would love that or or not be redeemed so much as just step into the light Um, and and get to like stay on in the light. That's a trope we've never seen in Star Wars, right? Vader dies giving his life for his son. Kylo slash Ben dies giving his life for Rey. Like, I'd love to see what happens with somebody who's who's kind of been in the dark, steps into the light and gets to stay in the light. Um, so I'd love mm-hmm. to see that happen with Shin. But that said, kind of her final shot is one of, you know, profound sadness, but also looking for purpose beyond her sadness. Um, and then, of course, you yeah, get... good. I, I will say on, on that, it's, you know the lesson Balin left her with was not heeded. And uh, I feel like in, in, in her case is she was too impatient and too quick to, you know, strive for victory. And that's why she lost. And she's having to deal with the consequences of all of that. Mm, And she's not happy about it. Tell you that. (laughs) So, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, no, this is, yeah, this whole sequence is basically what I wanted to talk about. I was going to use like the last scene in it to kind of highlight it, but yeah, th- this whole bit, 
ending montage, if you will. Yeah. It, I mean, that's is, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and then quickly I'll say, you know, obviously we finally see Balin um, oh. on this kind of huge statue monument to the Mortis gods. Now, granted, the 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 daughter's statue has crumbled, but we see the son mm-hmm. and the father. Balin is standing on the the pointing finger, and I've we see off in the distance this mountain with like a a light coming down to it, right? Which looks very similar to that on Mortis. So, mm-hmm. it, very very clear that they're going to place to some degree with the Mortis mythology in season two. And that's obviously mm-hmm. what Balin's after. Balin is, you know, like he said in, in the previous episode, um, he tells Shin he's after something even bigger. He's after something to break this, this cycle of violence. He's looking for the beginning so that he can start something new. And, and he's, he's found what he's looking for. So now our anticipation is, is what's he going to do with that? And I think Jason, you right. made this point when we were talking last week about Balin sees Anakin as, someone who failed in his prophecy to be the chosen one. So I think this is Balin taking upon himself that, that kind of that heavy burden of, of being the one to bring balance to the force and to stop this cycle of violence. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what makes Balin so noble. A, but a burden that is not his to bear. Mm. So, you know, it, it, he, he's noble, but presumptive, mm. uh, I, it, you know, he, he's, con, I'm not, I won't say confused, but he's, uh, perhaps there might be a delusion of grandeur in there somewhere. Um, just a little bit with Balin's skull. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I love this and I love, you know, I, I love it because it's, it's obviously such a, an important tie-in to the Clone Wars uh, on the one hand, but also just visually it is everything Lord of the Rings, um, Fellowship of the Ring, and you know, having the giant statues in the wilderness uh, like that is so beautiful. But uh, that's just a my other geeky fandoms coming into play here. But yeah, no, it, this moment in particular is is one of the, the highlights of this, ending montage because we do get our biggest look into Balin's purposes and mm-hmm. into his objective, into what he's after. And it has the potential to be terrible yeah. depending on what he does. And he's, you know, we don't know what that is. He's, he's the type of person to, you know, that I could see him just trying to go through and destroying it all in order to see if that stops it or to try to take on a role that it is, that is not his to take in order to, you know, make things better. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that is more likely. So we'll see what happens. Um, But yeah, I love this, this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and I want to round out by just then mentioning Thrawn, Thrawn going yes. to Dathmir with the Night Sisters and their crates full of who knows what that's in there. <laughs> um, uh, it's 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 uh, dead Night Sisters, probably. I mean, yeah, come on, um, they're they're going to repopulate Dathomir with the Night Sisters. Yeah, I, uh, that makes sense. I'm sure of it. 
but I think also it's important to notice that the these these great mothers are now particularly wary of Thrawn. Um, and we first get a hint of that when he orders the Chimera to destroy their temple. You know, they kind of mm-hmm. the, the head mother kind of looks at him like WTF, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, yes. So as they're coming in on Dathmir, it's like, OK, now. And this is this has always been a true true trope of, of villains in Star Wars that whenever villains work together, it's only with the 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 concept of their own ends being done. So somebody's an Correct. ally insofar as you can help me and then I have no use of you. So I think I I wouldn't be surprised if the the great mothers may start plotting against Thrawn themselves when they've returned mm-hmm. to Dathmir and come into a new state of power. Yeah, at the very least they're going to disconnect from him. Uh now that they've got their, you know, they've got their planet back and they have much work to do. Um you know, he in the future, if he reaches out for assistance on something, they may decide that they're too busy and don't want to deal with him uh, at the very least. Uh, yeah, that's my guess. But yeah, the, the potential for them working against him or working to do something of their own machinations that might get in his way is also very high. So um yeah uh, there's there's definitely future stories with them and whatever their whatever their goals are <laughs> right yeah yeah um so what else do you have from the episode uh well obviously it's nice to to see that Ezra gets home um but yeah. and obviously we know that he's going to tell them all that Thrawn's back mm. um and it's I, I do love it that Chopper's the one who figures it out first. Uh, you know, even though Chopper tried to kill Ezra so many times, he really does <laughs> like him. Uh, <laughs> but the it is the actual ending scene, the ending mm. moments of that scene, you know, where Ahsoka and Sabine are kind of figuring out what's next. Uh, but they're looking out into the night and Sabine has a sense of something mm. feels like she sees something and Ahsoka asks what it is. And she goes, I, I don't know, just shadows in the starlight, which I love that. I love that description. That's so beautiful and poetic and uh, uh, shadows in the starlight is a line. I'm going to have to remember for something. I don't know why I just want to be able to use it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then we get Ahsoka stepping out to, to look into the night and to, reach out and to feel what Sabine might be feeling. And the way that they edit this and cut it, it's not certain whether or not Ahsoka sees the force ghost of Anakin out there, but I think it's highly likely that she does. Mm. Um, and at this point we get, you know, that finally the episode ends with that look on Anakin uh, and he's still watching out for her. He's still watching over Ahsoka and uh, doing what he can to help her when she needs it. But also being very proud of the decisions that she's made and the path that she is on, I feel. Um, so I I just love that moment, that, that the sort of 
ending bit. And it's made even better by probably what is my favorite statement of Ahsoka's theme in all of Star Wars. It's really uh, good. It's so beautiful. So, yeah. And Kevin Kiner wrote that theme to begin with. So He did. So he wrote it to begin with. And boy, does he make good use of it in in the, the series as a whole. But in this scene in particular. So, yeah, yeah I love it so much. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's kind of the last thing I was going to mention as well. It's, it's, it's this great kind of uh, denouement scene, if you will. Uh, you know, we get this kind of closing montage with our with our villains and then closing that with Ezra. Um, and then, yeah, this great scene of Ahsoka and Sabine here on Peridia and Sabine, you know, kind of looking off into the night. She has a sense of something out there and doesn't really know what it is. So just says, ah, it's nothing. Right. And then, you know, that beautiful line, like you quoted, um, just shadows in the starlight. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Shadows in the starlight. Um, but I, I think it's also really great because Sabine, it, I mean, this is Obi-Wan saying to Luke, you've taken your first step into a larger world. Like Sabine is now kind of more, just generally more aware of the presence of the force. And this is Anakin showing up within the force itself. So she has a sensibility of it, but not quite there yet. Um, and then, uh, you know, you know, you ask the question, Jason, which of course I think it's meant to be somewhat ambiguous. Does Ahsoka see him or not? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I mean, yes, I think they leave it ambiguous, but I think it's, to me, it's pretty clear. Yeah. She sees him. <laughs> um, because there's a look of contentment on her face as she then turns and walks back towards Sabine. Um, and right. Like this is Luke seeing the Holy Trinity at the end of return of the Jedi, right? It's, (laughs) it's kind of this confirmation of the choices you've made were the right choices, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's what, this is that confirmation to Ahsoka that she's made the right choice. I mean, she says to Sabine, we're, we're, we are where we're supposed to be too. Um, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because in a way they're removed from the fight now, but they're where they're supposed to be. Ahsoka is very content with where they are and she's content with the choices she's made. And then seeing Anakin looking at her with, you know, this smile on his face, the sense of pride, it, it, it confirms for her that she has made the right decisions. But also to me, I'd even say it's kind of that it's the final like chef's kiss on her really accepting that Anakin was in fact redeemed because right even her experience mm-hmm. of him in the world between worlds she could always write that off of like oh it was some sort of fever dream or right but this is her seeing him yeah. in his little force glow <laughs> as a force yes. ghost of like yes this was someone who was enveloped by the cosmic force he's now part of the force itself and yeah. he is still like you said jason he's still watching over you and he's proud of you yeah absolutely and and i think that sense means almost more than anything in the world to Ahsoka. Um, Especially at this point. So yeah. Yeah. Love it so much. Yeah. So now we just have to wait three or seven business years until we get (laughs) season two. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Who knows when it'll be. Oh man. But, but we know it's coming. Yes, we know it's coming. They're working on it. Right. Uh, and and that's that's all the confirmation I need at this point. Uh, they obviously got other projects that are supposed to come out first, but uh, we'll find out why they're where they're supposed to be when season two comes around. Uh, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with Valen's goal and whatever he's up to. 
Yeah. Ugh, it's going to be hard to fill those shoes, though. Ray Stevenson was just so freaking good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I agree. Um, they're going to have to do. Obviously, they're going to have to recast him um, because you can't ha- continue the story without Balin. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they find someone who can can do Ray Stevenson justice um, in all of that. So, yeah, but uh, hats off to to Ray Stevenson for all the work that he did in season one of Ahsoka. Spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, So I think that, you know, that'll conclude kind of our recap of the Ahsoka series, highlighting our favorite moments. Again, Jason, I hope this is, I'm sure this is something we will come back to in the future. Oh yeah. Talk more in depth about, um, you know, this is honestly, this is what I appreciate what's going on currently in star Wars with a slower pace. I don't need new star Wars projects every six months. That is me speaking for me. I know that there are a lot of fans who disagree with that sentiment, Um, (laughs) but I, I appreciate a slower pace of star Wars outings because it gives us more time to digest. And I think that's only a good thing. Fair enough. Uh, Yeah. There's, there's definitely some things on the horizon. Uh, We did get the confirmation that bad batch season three it's coming out in like a month. Yeah, um, I was a little surprised. I so, mean, I knew it was coming out this year, but that trailer dropped out of nowhere to me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, Bad Batch but, has never been a favorite thing of mine anyway. Like, it's fun. I'm 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 looking forward to it, but it's it's not a favorite. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it'll it be good to see how that concludes. But uh, yeah. yeah, everything else is kind of slowing down a bit. And I think that's OK. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're still getting consistent. I would prefer consistency to speed uh, when it comes to these projects. So um, just put that out there. But to sort of wind all of this up, folks, if if you have some favorite moments from these two episodes, part seven and eight, that you want to share with us, or if you have any comments that you want to make on, on some of our picks, uh, please feel free to get in contact with us. And Carl, where can people reach out and chat with us? Yeah, well, easiest way to do that is probably just sending us a message over on Instagram, which is the Wampas Lair. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair or shoot us an email at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. Excellent. And any final thoughts before we close out this episode? Uh, it's been great, Jason, like shadows in the starlight. Let's uh, wait for season two. <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampas Lair Podcast, part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. This has been episode number 542, excuse me, Ahsoka, part seven and eight. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. Wampas Lair.